Welcome. Welcome, denizens of the light world. I'm here with Crackberry's <laughs> editor-in-chief. Blaze, how you doing today, man? Not too bad. Not too bad. Yourself? Yeah, I'm, pr- I'm pretty good. I'm glad to have you here. Another Sunday, Blackberry's still afloat, still doing its thing, so nothing to complain about. What about you, Alex? you have anything to complain about uh, this that, Sunday? Not at all. Nope. Been a good Sunday so far. So far, Hot. so good. Hopefully yeah. this conversation doesn't like toss in any negatives there. I mean, we, we got some we got some fun stuff to talk about. We got like BBM, PayPal, it's pretty cool stuff. All right. What do you guys think? I mean, we started out the week talking about kind of what we talked about in the last podcast, which was like the QNX Jeep. Blackberry actually did a fact check on a Seeking Alpha article that went out about the QNX Jeep security, and that really QNX has very little, if not nothing at all, to do with how the hack was established on the Jeep vehicle. What were some of your thoughts? Do you guys think it's good that BlackBerry kind of reached out and at least kind of cleaned QNX's name of the, the tarnished representation of the hacking of this Jeep vehicle? I think it's good that they did it and they got it out there for the people who didn't fully understand it and maybe were possibly interested in it. You know, the, the people who follow along with it, but I think I don't know, it was kind of like one of those things like they shouldn't really have had to do that because that wasn't even that wasn't even a key factor anyways. Like it never was. It was never part of the, the discussion. The only people who made it part of the discussion were were essentially BlackBerry fans and and uh, people who follow BlackBerry at that point in time and knew that QNX was a subsidiary of BlackBerry. Like. The, yeah. the mass audience for that is slim to none. Like, it just—it yeah. seems like they did it to appease us and just basically, you know, kill off that that seeking alpha article and possibly any other ones that may have arisen from it. So, yeah, I think the mindset for a lot of people is, hey, if something is running on QNX, it is bulletproof. But like, just having QNX at the core. Because um, these Jeeps, they were running off QNX, correct? But the, it essentially got hacked through a different avenue. Is, is that what happened? Yeah, well, basically, I mean, QNX it, is the underlying factor there, of course. And, you know, when the when the automotive manufacturers put all their, their systems together, you can use QNX as a base layer. So that's yeah. basically that, that essentially controls everything. And even... Even the statement saying that it controls everything is sort of not necessarily correct because, you know, QNX delivers their product and then the auto manufacturers, they basically build out the specifications that they want to add on. So in this case, Jeep or Chrysler Fiat was essentially using Uconnect, and that's where the problem lied. The the Uconnect basically just came in and screwed everything up because they didn't do their due diligence on their end to make sure that everything was essentially correct, right? So, you know, that's that's where the breakdown came came from is basically within the Uconnect system. It didn't have anything to, with QNX. Yeah. Um, you know, that's that's just a system that was built on top of it. And as BlackBerry mentioned, like in the article itself, there's several different components that help create those systems. It's like a layer upon a layer upon a layer. You know, it, it, it'd be the same maybe it's not necessarily the best analogy but to, to give somebody an example of it it would be the same as blaming Microsoft for you know, Adobe Flash vulnerabilities. You know, that yeah. it just so happens that Adobe Flash runs on Windows 
it doesn't like control Windows or anything like that. It, it's just something that runs on top of it. So if you're blaming Microsoft for that problem, that really shouldn't exist. That's that's not appropriate because the problem doesn't exist in the Microsoft product. The product, or sorry, the problem exists in Adobe, and it's up to Adobe to go ahead and correct those problems. Which, and you know, yes, if you did see a foot, that's probably my, yeah. <laughs> my son's foot kicking out there. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think it, it, it opens up the like how important you know end-to-end -end security really is. I mean, having QNX is a great starting point, but BlackBerry said many times that, that they want to focus on end-to-end -end security, and what that means is the core will be QNX and use BlackBerry phones, and you know, just using QNX is, is the base point does not make you automatically secure from everything. That's yeah. just not how it works, and I think maybe a lot of people thought that, so they heard like, hey, this runs on QNX, and it got hacked, so it must be QNX that failed. BlackBerry, what the heck are you doing? You're lying about everything. But that's, like, that's not the case. There's, so. there's a lot of misrepresentations out there between really what an operating system is and like what a graphical user interface is, right? Yeah. Everyone assumes iOS whatever is you know an operating system, but really, that's really the user interface you're going to get atop of the core kind of Unix code base underneath. Yeah. And same thing can be said of Android versus Linux and you know BB10 QNX. Etc. Etc. But I think it's as Alex said a good point to show that even the OEMs that are implementing this stuff are not necessarily pros at it, right? They're not necessarily in the field of automotive security. Yet yeah. BlackBerry can tout, yes, they are. We can show you how to amalgamate these different pieces of software into an operating platform that works securely, right? Where your assets for your brakes are not attached to the assets for your MP3 player. <laughs> And vice versa, right? It's it kind of comes back to a core competency that BlackBerry and QNX have in the space. This time-tested, you know, mission-critical system that they have, yet not necessarily other players know exactly how to use. As Chris said, UConnect was just literally put on top of this, so UConnect had its failings, and really that's where the exploits were able to be found. And you know some of the hardware components as well that were tapped in. Where yeah. again, you got to build, as Alex mentioned, onto the end-to-end -end part of the solution for to really be successful. I mean, <laughs> it's it's funny because they were able to do this wirelessly. That's the saddest part for this hack that it was done over the air, right? So yeah. we're enabling cool, innovative things with wireless connectivity to vehicles. Yet we haven't necessarily patched the gateways for security on that connectivity. And again. Mobile security is something BlackBerry is great at, right? It's it's a place for them to really capitalize and show we've got a leadership in this area. Come to us and we can show you how. I think this kind of begs the question, why does BlackBerry not build their own kind of GUI, their own graphical inter interface for the vehicles and pick up a lot of this weight and then yeah, charge the OEMs for it, you know? That's what I was going to say. I mean, they they have, uh, you know, with the with the QNX car platform, they have a base, base outline for it, but, I mean... Uh, essentially, that's what I was going to say, is that QNX needs to essentially build their own platform because, uh, you know, they, they, the automotive manufacturers, if they if they wish to, to tout any of that security capability, they sort of need to hand over, over the keys to the city to somebody else who is 100% capable of doing that. And in that case, you know, BlackBerry could easily fill that position. You know, it's funny because then it kind of opens up to like, hey, BlackBerry, you should make your own handset, you know, so you can finish that whole gap of end-to-end security. And it's like, obviously this is a little bit different industry, but like right now there's Ford Sync and, you know, there's a few big players doing it. 
So it's like, does BlackBerry want to be the universal with QNX? So it's like every car could run QNX. It doesn't necessarily need to be what the car manufacturer chooses on top of it. But when security hacks like this happen, maybe that's a very big foothold that, that BlackBerry could get into and say, rather than just giving you QNX, either they can utilize BlackBerry's resources and say, and, and they could work together to develop what they should be implementing and what security holes they should block, or should they just say, hey, let's make a, a yeah, BlackBerry BB10 GUI and um, sell that too. It's, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's very interesting, Alex. And as you mentioned, it really is going to come down to there are still gaps in the process, right? We, we've all seen that video from QNX where, you know, the guy gets in the car, he puts the phone down, his dashboard lights up, right? And I think to, to your question, do we go this or do we go that? Ultimately, for the Internet of Things, it's going to have to be universal. We're going to need yeah. something that kind of talks ubiquitous across any platform and doesn't care and can do so securely, right? But at the same point, is BlackBerry going to be able to capitalize on something like that? Or, or is it going to be a service-level fee on an annual basis that they get you know, returns on yeah. years from the actual deal happening? Which is how a lot of the QNX royalty subsidy fees occur now, where they're getting paid years out as opposed to you know, as those cars are, are rolling out onto the road. Jubei, I want to welcome you to the cast, man. How's it going? Going all right, man. How are you guys doing? Good, good. We're, we're, we're marking a little bit on the QNX and the Jeep conversation. We had this last week, and we tried to offer some clarification on, you know, this Jeep hack really isn't a, a QNX hack so much as it is the software that was delivered by Daimler Chrysler to yeah. the vehicle. I was just happy that... BlackBerry facts, they went out and actually put out the accurate information because, um, who was it again that, 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 uh... Oh, Seeking that? Alpha, yeah. Yeah, Seeking Alpha. Yeah. And it's sad because, like, every BB fact check is, like, in response to a Seeking Alpha article. Yeah. <laughs> well, not all of them, I don't want to say that, but a good, a good amount of them, I'd say. Pretty, um, I, they're, they're a pretty liberal, uh, gimmicky site. I mean, it swings both ways, so... Well, you need to consider the source. Seeking Alpha does. Seeking Alpha doesn't really control a lot of this stuff. Anybody can sign up for a Seeking Alpha article and write it. I could go ahead and sign up for an account, publish something that you know is totally terrible about Apple or you know Google or whatever, and then people would see it. It doesn't matter. All you need is an account. It's like getting Seeking Alpha is like a ghetto medium. Vacation for driving a cab in New York City. All you need is a face. That's why, when, that's, why when people send, that's why when people send me Seeking Alpha articles on Twitter and stuff, they're like, oh, my God, did you see what Seeking Alpha posted about BlackBerry? I'm like, who cares? It's probably some dude in his basement. Like, I really don't care about Seeking Alpha articles. They're nonsense. You know, it, 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 in, in some cases, it's probably good material, and they're, you know, I'm definitely not saying that there isn't smarter people out there, but I'm saying, you know, anybody can sign up for an account. Don't take... Seeking Alpha too seriously. Yeah, it's it's opinionated. It's like a medium. Yeah. Like what James, it's a medium. It, it is like medium for you know more the financial. Ghetto. Yeah. <laughs> well, the ghetto. Um, but I, I think like this hack in in a sense is a good thing that some of this is happening because like you look at IoT around the corner and and this has been something that that people have been talking about for so long now, but once we truly get into IoT, then that's like 
well, your refrigerator is going to be connected to the internet, your toaster oven, everything's going to be connected to the internet. So what's to stop someone from hacking your toaster oven and burning your house down? <laughs> like it's it's such yeah. a stupid little thing, but like we really need to test this a lot before we dive into our whole lives. You know, once you start locking your door with your your thumbprint that's connected to the internet that someone else can hack into your door. Like, there's just so much connected to it. Alex. I think we're, we're, we're a long ways away from that. <laughs> well, you know, I... But at the Next same year. time, I don't know. It's at the same... Before. Yeah, like, like Alex said, at the same time, he doesn't know. Like, those discussions are happening now. There's people out there looking for ways to go ahead and do this right now. You know, in the grand scheme of things, is everybody in the next year or two going to have their, their locked, powered by... You know, the internet, no, but there are those early adopters out there and there are going to be people who are looking to go ahead and take advantage of those situations. So, you know, it's only a matter of time. Yeah, well, you know, the 1%, the 1% are the people, if I was a hacker, I'd be I'd be targeting the 1%, yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> They're the prime the people who you want. Yeah. And Blackberry's 1% of the market that's, not, that's expensive clientele. You know, that's not that's not cheap yeah. clientele at all, so to yeah. speak. So, you know, their house is probably more more viable to break into than mine or Alex's mom's house. No, but you know, I think it all comes back to a viability that BlackBerry has. This vast untapped potential that we're all waiting like yo where is it it's it's 2015 blackberry yeah. you know d double down on some of these things they have this whole cloud infrastructure to deliver over the air updates seamlessly to vehicles in a very similar way that we're able to deliver you know like windows 10 or you know, windows yosemite or excuse me apple's yosemite and, and mountain lion and what whatnot in the same way, BlackBerry is able to not only just be proactive with their operating system and the architecture and the way everything is built, but they also have the availability to push over-the-air updates to patch these things wirelessly, you know? So again, this is a channel, as BlackBerry as an IoT provider, has a lot of potential to bring new services and start monetizing this. But as Juve said, the market right now is so menial for them in particular that it's, it's, it's hard to justify. I like the BB fact check, as Jubei did as well. I like that they came out and officialized it, but at the same point, I'm kind of miffed that they didn't go further into it, you know? they did. They, all they said was, like, we can guarantee tell you it's not. They got a quote from the, the person who, who delivered the hack, and he's like, yeah, this has nothing to do with QNX. And, like, that was it. They just denied it. They didn't offer anything, any kind of reinforcement or accommodation to explain what, you know, uh, what processes and, and what place QNX had in the vehicle itself. And I wish some of that was a little bit more transparent. Some OEMs implement hard, and they, they go all out in implementing QNX in, you know, rear dash cams and, and then in the infotainment and things like that. And others really just do a very basic, basic kind of infotainment UI where, you know, it's not connected to very much. So, again, how the OEMs go about implementing QNX is really going to be a testament to their own security knowledge and their own understanding of it. So the more QNX and BlackBerry can get involved in that process, I think more influence and money they're going to be able to make over the long term. So I'm hoping it definitely isn't a detriment to the automotive people. Like, as Chris said, as we kind of started the conversation, we all needed to hear about it, but at the same point, really the automotive OEMs need to hear it, right, that it wasn't a QNX vulnerability, right? It, it, say, it, it sounded like a dumbed-down version just basically for the people who were interested and actually knew about it, you know what I mean? It was very simplified. 
I'm pretty sure if anybody, you know, in the automotive sector whose concern it is to actually deal with those sorts of things would get a better explanation if they went seeking it. But for for the audience that it, it was aimed at, I think I think BlackBerry just stuck with the the simplicity route and didn't want to bother with fully explaining anything. So and who can blame them? I mean, you know I'd stick yeah. with the simplicity route as well because you know, there's the people who were interested in it don't necessarily need to know the full story. So, it, it, you you bring that up and then it it scares me almost, Chris, because I transitioned that same kind of idea over to something that is an Android-based BlackBerry slider. If such a device is to exist, are they gonna tell us <laughs> how how they went about securing Android or? Yeah. Or did they? I was always I've always been under the impression that BlackBerry Ten is is no more secure than an iPhone or Android. Well, off the and, shelf. And, right, off the shelf. Bare bones, it's it's basically the same thing, right? You have an Android runtime. You can still download a crappy app and it can still siphon off your data. I mean, it's not that BlackBerry Ten is necessarily coming in and blocking that from happening. But with the Bez 12 connectivity, when you bring a Bez in, you can create an end-to-end solution for your enterprise mobility management and as well your corporate communications. So does that necessarily need to transfer over to an Android device? Like how secure does it have to be for them to market as secure? Does it have to be secure as a Samsung device connected to Bez? And if so, (laughs) that kind of idea of a, a secure Android has existed for the last... You know, a year almost, if not it's longer, a, with the Android for Work initiatives and whatnot. Yeah, it's a good question because basically, if the, if they if they plan on selling a more secure version of Android, how do they sell it? Like, how do you explain it? Because as we already know, just by looking at, looking around on Twitter and in the forums and stuff like that, people aren't sold on the idea that BlackBerry can actually secure Android in any sort of significant way. So. If that if that does come to reality, how how do they explain that to the people who who possibly could end up purchasing this device? How do you transition their minds out of Android is totally unsecure to you know okay maybe BlackBerry did secure it in a way that is actually useful? It's a very good question. Well, what what tests even need to necessarily be ran to see if it's considered secure? Like, does I, I we brought this up before? Does if you can root the phone, does that mean it's not secure? Like, what what is the yeah. what is the test that proves this is secure? If, you definitely can't think. root it. You definitely yeah. would be unable to root it. And I think as well, you'd have to have security implementation. And, and and that's the thing. It's like not so much security as it also is privacy. So I would need all the kind of Android M type updates that bring in the ability for me to like close out applications of certain access. It needs to be a full package. Everything BB10 offers from a core competency perspective, but replicated onto Android. That's that's what I would need personally. Yeah, I think I think you know just if BlackBerry found a way to be able to go ahead and adjust the permissions for Android apps as well, that would be something that would. You know, appeal to to people with being able to shut their their Android permissions off exactly as they do on BlackBerry 10. That would be certainly one of one of the helpful things to have added to it. Um, also, I think you, it, these are just things that I think would be would be beneficial. I don't necessarily need them or want them, but I'm just saying, um, you know, if it, 
there needs to be some sort of like permission-based alert system. Like you need to authorize something to be able to go ahead and use your data. So say for example, I download Twitter and I run Twitter for the first time and it asks me, right? There needs to be like some sort of pop-up notification. Do you authorize this app to run on your device? There needs to be some sort of uh, permission-based system like that that makes people aware, you know, so that... And, well, Android M has... Uh, so essentially, when you when you first download and install an app, it doesn't ask you permissions anymore. When you open up the app, the app, then it will prompt you on any permissions it needs. And then, like say the microphone, it's not going to prompt you and ever ask you for the microphone permission until you utilize something yeah. that would need. It. Yeah. So it's like, I think they're kind of moving towards there. And in the sense, I think they finally have taken what is so great about BlackBerry 10 app permissions, giving you the full control of that, and they finally implement it. I guess the question is, if you install an app and don't accept any permissions, do they have any control on the phone? And they might, but, like, they claim that it doesn't, and I guess that's the question, like, is yeah. it or is it not, you know, taking stuff from your phone or connected or what? Jube has written about something very similar, and, and I, I have as well. I'm sure Chris has touched on it in some of his From the Editor's Desks on Crackberry, where it seems like mobile entirely is coming to this point of convergence where really Android is going to be focused on the same things that BlackBerry was, but years ago, right? So yeah. BlackBerry, BlackBerry had its opportunity, right? That was 2013 to today. That was their opportunity to cement BlackBerry 10. It never cemented. They were never able to get the market share. And Android, over the time, has kind of caught up with it. Yet they all do the same thing. I don't want to say that Android does security better because we've obviously had this here with full device encryption and, and the like on BlackBerry 10 and even on older devices for quite some time. So I think it's really at a point for them. It's like, do we continue pushing on our enterprise pedigree? Do we continue pushing on what we have and steer BlackBerry 10 more to security? OS, like very, very niche, or do we kind of just allow Android to come into our fray and split our focus, and split our focus in the sense of we have a secure OS and device for our enterprise users, but our consumers also have something that also has our productivity and security kind of DNA into it as well. And, and really, it's going to come down to how they implement whatever it is comes on this slider device, because at this point, we've heard this slider is running Android, we've heard it's running BlackBerry 10. We, we've heard it, it's running Windows at phone at this point. It's running Windows 10. I mean, it's uh, every, it's, it's every possible rumor you could think of. We've heard it all. Heard I mean, it, it, it the story behind the device changes on a daily basis. So My personal like, favorite's yeah. the uh, dual boot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but well, here's the thing. Here's the thing with the dual boot rumor as well. Is basically because there's dual boot and then there's like dual option, okay? The yeah. difference between the dual option would be that when you boot up the device, it gives you, or sorry, dual option would be like when you first get the device, you have the option to A, install BlackBerry 10, or B, install Android. Which operating system do you want to have on your device? Okay, so that's like a dual option one. And then you have the dual boot rumor, which is basically, okay, you turn on your phone, you can either boot into Android or you can boot into BlackBerry 10. Now, realistically, how many people would actually go ahead and use the dual boot option? Because yeah. 
once you get your phone booted up, nobody wants to be able to go ahead. It, it sounds good in premise, but it's, mm -hmm. it, you know, Not once even. you start using it, yeah, well, because it's it's it arguable. One right, and then they, you know, you're 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 in your Android side of the phone, and all of a sudden you're like, you know what, I kind of want to switch over to uh, BB10. Yeah, but like, I don't want to turn off the phone now. You got to reboot it. Like this is yeah. Like, I want to use one Android app. You have to shut down your phone, restart yeah. it, boot an Android, use the app. Okay, now back to BlackBerry. It's, it's yeah, it's, that's what I was getting at. That's yeah. it's stupid and it's silly. Like you know. Like Jubei said, it's arguable whether or not that is a good option, but to me, it's not even an option. Like, yeah. why? Maybe why? you won't be optimizing the hardware too specifically to the OS, which I know that's a big deal for getting the most battery life and, and all of these other things, yeah. too. Even on my MacBook, it's a pain in the ass. I like, mm -hmm. I'll sit here because I have Windows 10 on one, one hard drive and I have uh, Yosemite on the other, and there's times where I'm just like, I really need to boot into Windows, but I'm not going to do it right now because it's yeah. such a pain in the ass, right? Yeah. Like, nobody wants that. Now, the dual boot option would be absolutely interesting, and it would be something that I, I, I would like to see them actually do because then it gives customers choice at that point in time, and I'm all about choice. If somebody wants to have yeah. the choice to run Android or run BlackBerry 10, that'd be great. I mean, yeah. you know, that'd, you, that'd you sort heaven. of... Yeah, I mean, even if it's on boot or if you can log into, like, BlackBerry Link or download the operating system from the BlackBerry website, whatever the case may be, right, that would be that would be awesome to be able to go ahead and choose the operating system. The only thing that I could see with that is that, you know, obviously some people would choose one operating system and then, you know, two or three months down the road, they'd be like, oh, well, I want to try this operating system now. So BlackBerry would essentially have to go ahead and provide a solution for that. You can't you can't lock one, lock people in. Yeah, you can't lock people in. You can't give them a choice at at boot up and then lock them into it. I don't think that's reasonable because, you know, there are people who be like, "Well, I want to try this later." And then they start fiddling with their phones and then you end up with warranty exchanges and broken devices and yeah. whatever. That would be a mess, right? That's like it's people brought up too. Like when you go to purchase the phone from BlackBerry.com or whatever, I want to choose it to be Android or I want to choose to be BB10. But that's another problem too, in the sense where it's like you might get all of these returns just to swap the OS, which is it's a software thing. You shouldn't re-swap hardware yeah. to change software. Like there's there's great sides of of you know these debates and conversations, and then there's also like negatives that people don't necessarily want to touch on because. Obviously, you want to have your cake and eat it, too. Alex, because that being said, what you just mentioned, now we have, you know, coming back full circle with the slider device, you know, all the rumors coming out, if it's going to be an Android, if it's going to be a BlackBerry. You know, I'm sure these are things that um, in the boardroom and at the company, they've been endlessly going over. Yeah. You know, moving forward in, in, in their strategy. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, they've done an excellent job at... Not leaking any information out because none of us actually have a clue what. Is. I mean, I mean, it, it's bad because the, what we have leaked is putting like bloody writing all over the wall for BlackBerry. <laughs> so it's like, are they doing a good job or are they like, yeah. are they tricking us? You know, are they yeah. duping us out? <laughs> They're faking us out, man. It's gonna arrive with BlackBerry 11. You guys don't even know. <laughs> well, it's a great. It's it's a great topic. <laughs> Uh, for those who are listening and watching, um, these are a lot of things that they probably haven't considered. 
And, uh, you know, it's not a simple solution here. I know that BlackBerry is looking at the numbers and looking at the statistics. Uh, recently, they put up this, this um, whole um, graphic uh, regarding the adoption of Android now in business and enterprise and how it's dwarfing, um, you know, iPhones. And so the market is yeah, readily accepting Android devices a lot more, and BlackBerry plans on obviously securing it to a certain capacity. But in you know respects to their slider, lots of question marks. Yeah. But this is you but know, he, it's good dialogue. Here's here's another interesting thing because you you mentioned those diagrams and infographs and stuff like that. Hi, but Blake. At the, hey. Sorry, he's like right over your shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> at the same time, all of this is going on and BlackBerry is putting that information out there. I I can't help but read the headlines and read the news because it, it all it, it's almost eerie, okay, in terms of what it is. Like, for years, everybody said BlackBerry had to go ahead and change their OS. So they did it. They moved to BlackBerry 10, right? And now there's all these rumors about them possibly moving to Android, okay? So if you look at some of the information that has been floating out there in the most recent days, HTC isn't doing good. HTC is arguably doing worse than BlackBerry at this point in time. Although yeah. they they tend to they, they have less money on hand, their market is all messed up. Whatever the case may be, all right. Um, and Motorola slash Lenovo is laying people off. These are all Android OEMs. Yeah. So it makes you wonder, yeah. like you you everybody always says, okay, you can't make money on Android, why would anybody want to become an Android OEM? And again, we saw, you know, um, HTC in trouble, Motorola and Lenovo. Anyone who's Lenovo. not Samsung is losing Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and even then, Samsung's been troubled a little bit, at least yeah. from what I've heard. Yeah. And then and then you get the, the, the Android fragmentation stories that were out there over the past week. So it makes you wonder, like, is this really a good move for BlackBerry if they are moving to Android? Because it seems like Android is a system that is currently and presently getting shat on and seems to be in trouble in terms of, of these Android OEMs that are producing Android devices. So is it really a good move to actually do that? Well, it, I... It, it makes you just pause and wonder. Look at the look at the at the full situation, right? Yeah, if it's their core business, like HTC, right? That's that's their core business, really. Kind of the the developing the hardware for the phone and the HTC One um, all sold very well. And now they're at a point, obviously, as you're mentioning, that they have more cash on hand than their company is worth. And it's like when you start getting valued at less. Cash on hand, like that. That was starting to happen to BlackBerry. Luckily, it stopped. But it's like then that means that you're in trouble. But so it's like, yeah, if BlackBerry develops one phone a year, hardware-wise, and it's Android. But if they focus on software, I think they'll be all right. If they start developing two, three, four, five Android phones a year, then it's like, okay, what are you doing, BlackBerry? You yeah. see what's happening to these other people. So I think yeah, they're, I think they're, they're smart that. enough I'm for that. Put, uh, yeah, four devices max a year annually. Yeah, too uh, many. One or two. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't see them producing multiple devices. Yeah. So no, they're not I'm, stupid. You right. know, we don't see them producing multiple devices, but we have four passports across these twelve well, months. So I mean, <laughs> I think that meant starting twenty sixteen. Right. 
I'll start later. I'll start later. Yeah. It's it's funny because if we look at the original handset manufacturers that jo- join the Open Handset Alliance, we're looking at HTC, LG, Sony, Motorola, Samsung, right? The top five. And how many of those guys are successful today, you know? Maybe two? Arguably two? Yeah, that's another one. I totally blanked out on that. Sony isn't exactly doing their best these days either, so... Right. Nor nor is, you know, LG's doing all right, but they're not, you know, knocking it out of the park. They're making their money elsewhere, right? Alex mentioned those whose core business was handsets are doing rough. Samsung expanded so much. Now they're doing appliances. Now they're doing TVs. Supposedly, like, Samsung sells a TV, like, every second, you know? Like, yeah. something crazy like that. And, and you look at some of the other people who have joined the Open Handset Alliance, and at an unknown date, one of the handset manufacturers that joined in on the Open Handset Alliance was Foxconn. And this is someone who is a notable builder of BlackBerry products as of late. So, again, there are plenty of venues for BlackBerry to make an Android device happen. What's the smartest one, right? We still want that kind of BlackBerry experience. And I think really at this point... If there's any BB10 holdouts, it's those waiting for something that is either going to be a BB10 upgraded or an Android experience that can compete with BlackBerry 10. And I just, I, I just don't see it, right? I, I see, I see the benefits of having a more open, open ecosystem and more accessibility to applications, but I personally don't see the, the added value of going Android. I would make BB10 better. That that's me though, you know. From a business perspective, maybe they can't afford to spend that time over the next three years to get it to maybe where it could be successful and just eat the market share number. I think they need to make a change to get the handset business profitable or dump the whole business entirely. So right now, it's we need to start, you know, experimenting and mixing things up because what we're doing isn't working. Yeah. It's very. The only thing that I can say, man, is it's very hard to envision a BlackBerry Android device, just in the very the very simplest terms ever, it's very hard to envision a BlackBerry Android device. Like, how do, you, how do you put it together? Like, we all know the rumors and speculation. We've all seen, like, you know, the mock-ups and the renders and stuff like that. But just forget about all that for a second and just imagine, like, how do you build, how do you push that to market? How do you advertise that? How do you bring people into the fold about what's happening at that point in time. It's very, very complicated when you actually stretch it out and you start thinking about it. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't think I'm the only one who has thought that. But of course, because I, I read the forums and stuff like that. Like, there's a lot of smart people on the CrackBerry forums in regards to like, I don't understand how this is going to play out for BlackBerry, and, but it, it's really hard to envision a BlackBerry Android device. Yeah, like I, I don't, it, the go-to-market strategy is like question marks, you know. Yeah, really and especially like, especially when you consider the fact that there hasn't been so many leaks. Like we don't even we don't get any sort of idea from it as of yet, which makes it even harder to envision, you know. Because yeah. by now, if it was a regular BlackBerry 10 device, we would have at least some significant leaks about it, you know. Somebody, somebody in Vietnam would have a hands-on video or something. Like, <laughs> all we got now is just crappy images that, you know. The worst. Yeah, and not to shoot down the people who are, are providing those, but 
because obviously beggars can't be choosers, right? But that's all we got, man. <laughs> that's literally all we got. Just clean the phone before you. I don't want your fingerprints. Just, just, just clean it for me. That's. I don't care if it's shaky cam. Just clean. Yeah. Shaky cam kills me. And that's that's usually the pattern, but we don't. We see. We 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 get the blurry cam. We get the greasy photos, and then we get like. Some nice photos, and then better photos, and then a really Why good hands. Go uh, when we first got the uh, caveman drawing of the passport, <laughs> yeah. we were like, what? Yo, is that a perfect square? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it, it's it's an interesting time for BlackBerry, and at the same point, you know, we're we're harping on all this hardware stuff, but software is their forte. Software is where they're heading. Software is where they're putting their money, where they're putting their people. And we're seeing things happen, right? VBM is a great example. VBM getting PayPal integration. Yep. It was awesome to be, you know, strolling around PayPal's uh, PayPal stories and see a BlackBerry kind of story. And the story was, you know, you got a friend, you guys split dinner, you couldn't pay them, but you can BBM them, right? And I think for BBM right now. To integrate with PayPal, it shuts up a lot of people who've been dying for BBM money, right? Because yeah, a lot yeah. of us have been like, yo, where, where did BBM money at? And it's just... It's, it's, <laughs> You've like had this rolled out for three years. Why isn't it here yet? <laughs> right. I think, I think it's a way to, one, not create a whole other application. BBM money is a yep. whole other application. Like BBM meetings, and it just, it just breaks the cohesiveness of what BBM is going for, right? You want a platform. You don't want platforms, you know, that, that all kind of talk to each other, sort of. So, one, it, it's integrated in, and two, it adds a, it adds security layers to the transaction, because PayPal has been known for some security breaches in terms of the method of transport of the payments actually being delivered. So, so nothing on the PayPal backend, but the actual interface for where you're inputting your info, logging in, and whatnot. So, again, an added security layer there through BBM and a trusted contact that you've pinned connected with Again, it, it adds to the authenticity of who you're sharing your money with. Yeah, and and you know, um, I with Jube actually, I I sold him the passport, and we first tried using Square Cash. That's one option, and then we tried using Venmo. Um, there's all these random options, and like we ended up going with Venmo, which is pretty much a social network for sending money. So it's like you pay your friend back, and you could say like you know, great time at dinner or whatever. They're trying to create this kind of like social aspect slash like events around sending money back and forth but it's like I had to create an entire account for Venmo and then they have to like verify your social security number like they have to do this like ridiculous stuff or link Facebook um, one of those two social security number or Facebook because when you start dealing with sending you know which like, one I'm giving you like come on yeah exactly so essentially you have all these random platforms and it's like I just wanted to, I just needed a little payment from him to then send it to him, but it's like we had to go through all these different platforms. It's like, you know, PayPal through BBM, if he could have just sent me it right through there and been done, it's just so much easier. I think more people have PayPal than they do want to sign up for a new system. People are very hesitant to change now. They don't want to bother. I don't know if it's lazy or just they're sick of just so many options now. That they just use something so and stuck with it. Yeah, it's it's yeah. the Tinder effect, Alex. I'm sure you're <laughs> you're ailed plus, by it. Plus, <laughs> any anything having to do with money, you know, people are gonna sketch out of out about yeah. it, because, especially these days. And you know, I don't blame anybody for doing that. I mean, I'm pretty cautious when it comes to 
in my financials myself. I do use PayPal on a regular basis, but I have I have I've never had any issues with PayPal. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't I don't seek out any of these other options to well, of course Square because Square, like, I, I'd like to visit a lot of comic shows and stuff like that. They use a lot of Square there. Yeah. Um, just because it's so easy, like, you know. But, you know, when it comes to money, everybody's reading these headlines about financial institutions getting hacked and so on and so forth. You know, everybody is satisfied with, with the way that things are working, and it's it's very hard to get people to switch from... Uh, from what they what they already know and what they already trust, essentially. Yeah, and you know, I think PayPal has a good track record, obviously. And if you've ever used eBay, chances are you've you know you've used PayPal. Yeah. So like, mm -hmm. it has enough of a history to it where I think you know you know I have clients that will pay me through PayPal. Yeah. And they're not going to pay me through Venmo I, or any of this. I pay products. Alex through PayPal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like so now I'm going to be able to do that on my phone. Awesome. You know. Yeah. It, for me, it really is. It saves me logging in. Yeah. I know my password is auto-saved, but come on, who wants to even do that, you know? <laughs> it, it, it really just kind of bring down the barriers. So I know Alex and I at least will get some use out of it. Yeah. But, but beyond, beyond that, guys. I'll play devil's advocate, though. What I'll was that, devil, I say I'll play devil's advocate with it and say that, you know, PayPal and BBM teaming up is great. And eventually they plan on rolling it out to other places other than Canada because essentially right now it's only available in Canada. However, it's a bit of a chicken and egg problem yet again because what do you have to have in order to use it? You have to have BBM. You have to have PayPal. Yeah. So is PayPal enough of a push? Is it enough of a benefit to be able to go ahead and get people using BBM? All right. Well, think of it this way. That that that's a really good point because, uh, but at the same time, like say that someone has a PayPal account and they're using WhatsApp, and maybe they always have this scenario where it's like you go out to dinner and you know, oh, uh, we have to split the bill up six ways, and you know, you hate asking for that because then the waitress gets annoyed and all whatever. So imagine someone that has this problem. They're used to using PayPal, but they're using WhatsApp. Well, what does WhatsApp? They don't have any type of option. So maybe they'd be considering, you know. Maybe I'll use BBM because just having this all integrated, like it might actually help some people consider moving to BBM. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, for someone who doesn't have a PayPal account and is using WhatsApp, there's no chance in hell yeah. that that's gonna like you know. It's not, it's not beneficial in any sort of way. So like, yeah. like I said, it's a bit of a chicken and egg problem. You got to get the people on BBM in order to use it in the first place. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, it's it's funny because I, as Alex mentioned. Right now, to get like a money request, if I want to just go to Alex and be like, "Hey, send me money," it's gonna send him an email on top of hundreds of emails he probably gets a day, right? Yeah. Whereas I send him a BBM request, and it's a little bit different, right? It's instantaneous. I have the deed, I have the R, so I know that this person's either avoiding paying me or I don't want to pay me, right? So again, I have an added layer of both security and communication that just make the transaction process that much easier. And again, it's all it's all seamlessly within the app. It invokes a card. I type in my stuff, and, and I make it happen very quickly. So I'm excited for it. I want a broader rollout for it. Chris and I were kind of bouncing back and forth some ideas. It's like, you know, you have the integration of PayPal. You're, you're, you quiet people about the need of BBM money. And also, you don't have to now establish relationships with every bank around the world, right? You just use PayPal. Yeah. They're, they're your quote-unquote bank to a degree with the service fees and, you know. So honestly, it kind of nips the, the 
nips the uh, nips both ends of the sphere, so to speak. And I think it's valuable for BlackBerry because they've got ways to implement this beyond just the instant messaging. Yep. But imagine like a channels shop that had PayPal integrated. No, I could sell goods. And through our private one-on-one -on -one conversation, we'd send the money, we'd create the transaction, the invoice and whatnot, all through a BBM notification system. So there's some potential there even for them to expand further and make, it, make this deal even more what we want and elevate other areas of BBM. I'm with Chris. I really don't think it's going to get people to come to BBM, but I think it may allow them to stay a little bit longer. I've got voice calls. I've got money transfers. I've got stickers galore because I got it. It's funny. I had to swap my BBID like twice to get my <laughs> stickers back, but I got them back. And only by the luck that I had an old BBM app installed on another device. That's the only way I would have gotten that. Wow. James is dirty man. I can't get my stickers, man. You gotta swap BBIDs. He's like, I'll be right back. I was like, did it work? He's like, yeah, I got them all back now. Thank God. <laughs> I got them all back, and then I'm like, I'm on the classic, and I'm like, oh, the classic. You're not a passport. Go away. Swap back, and luckily they all restored. So if you are, <laughs> this is, I guess, food for thought for those who uh, are having sticker problems. If you lost your stickers in a recent BBM update, downgrade it, shift your BBID to another device, be it iOS, it literally just move your device, your BBID off your device, restore on the old device, then send your BBID back to your current device, and then restore and you'll have all your stuff. I mean, such an awful workaround. <laughs> such an awful workaround. Annoying, annoying workaround, but it does work and that's kind of the key thing. So. Right. It's better than, you know, like emailing BBM, like, what up, yeah. like, where are my stickers? I hate you. Or losing I'm that $20 BBM. or whatever that you spent on stickers. That's a lot. That's the only reason I was so hurt about it because I spent like good money on it. You know? I was like, yo, I don't have access to like fifteen dollars worth of stickers. I don't know if that makes me like a child or like. <laughs> like I was quite upset about it, but we got him back, so that's good. PayPal, I'm excited about it. It's something I would actually use. Maybe you know, I still I still wonder whether I'm just gonna like default to the desktop. Well, here's the thing with how they. At least from the comments that I was reading, a lot of people were like, well, it's not instant. Well, that actually depends on how your PayPal account is set yeah. up. You can say that it's not instant, but it is, depending on how your PayPal account is set up. If you set your PayPal account up to use your PayPal balance and you actually use it quite frequently, then it's instant. You know, I can send Alex money and he would receive it. And plus... Um, for the U.S., I don't know if many people actually know this, but I know because I have one. Um, in the U.S., you can actually sign up for a PayPal debit card. So everything, you they basically send you a PayPal MasterCard, and any money that is in your, your PayPal account gets filtered down to this debit card. So I can go to the store, I can buy, you know, full throttle with my PayPal debit card, and I don't have to worry about it. It just comes directly off my PayPal balance. I mean, I don't know... I don't know how many people maintain that large of a balance within their PayPal account, but you know, right, I, we get I, it. We get it. You're a baller. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> PayPal Mastercard. No, no, I'm just, I'm just saying. I don't even have a pot to piss in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like, if you do at least maintain yeah. like a hundred dollars or something like that in your PayPal, it's reasonable to have a PayPal Mastercard. No, and absolutely. You can use it at the store. I'm one of the people that I've gotten the habit of always having a zero PayPal balance. So whenever I get money in PayPal, 
I transfer to the bank. Um, and if I'm paying somebody, then of course it what the, the process that happens is it'll take the money from my bank, put it in PayPal, and then immediately take it from PayPal to pay them. Mm. It's fairly quick. It, I th it'll be like a day, but you know sometimes someone will send you like an e-check, which will be like a three to five day thing, and yeah. that's like that is the long one that's annoying. But as long as you have a bank account tied to your PayPal account, then it's really not that big of a day. I mean, if you're paying your buddy back for, for going out to dinner and splitting the bill, is one day to get the money back really that big of a deal as opposed to never getting it? There's so many times I've never gotten paid back for, you know, <laughs> for a friend or whatever, so. Yeah, Alex, that's a personal problem. No, <laughs> a problem. <laughs> you got to send the money request to be like, Alex Bass is requesting via e-check so that his access fee of 33% is it. <laughs> will you be able to request money from someone through BVM or is it just sending? It, it, for now, it appears to only be just sending, but okay. I would I would imagine at some point in time they would. The request, request is a ping, and then yeah. a yo, you owe me money, BBM yeah. message. Yeah. That's yeah. The request. Okay. That's the request. And and will there be fees associated with it, yes, or will there, it be? There, it's the same yeah. standard fee that PayPal does for basic money transfers. So but, well, on the PayPal website, the, you can circumvent question, that. Though. You can circumvent yeah. that on the PayPal website through you BBM. It's it. going to charge you the fee. It's not a gift. Okay. It's okay. Yes. So, yeah, arguably, getting on desktop and sending it as a you know my friend did this thing for me service is actually okay. going to save you money. You know, a dollar. You know, thirty three cents. Not not a lot, but yeah, it's like two point six percent or something plus right. thirty cents. Hundreds okay. of dollars that adds up. Yeah. You know? So in that uh, case, in, I, I, I in that case, I considered it a convenience fee. Uh, yeah. Probably. It's convenient to me not having to get out of bed and go to the computer. <laughs> Yeah. No, definitely, definitely, and it's something BBM is needed. I mean, what do we what do we need? Uh, invisible private chats that you know, <laughs> you know, like you can only do yeah. so much with the messaging <laughs> platform. So adding this layer in at least brings in a side of BBM that they haven't really explored. They've explored the privacy. They've explored the, you know the sticker and the you know paper content type medium. This is a way that. I think is going to enable them to work with PayPal and maybe BlackBerry gets a shared percentage off of or maybe accessing the API is free to them because PayPal is making money. Either way, I think it's going to be able to aid the monetization of BBM one way or another. So this is something that makes sense, clearly logical for them, and I think they are going to be able to make some money out of it. So I'm proud of them in that respect. This is a beta update that is available in Canada with other countries in the Q&A, they do mention the U.S., so I imagine North America will come, and then they'll tap on some of the other markets where they are large. But again, this is a beta update available for iOS and BlackBerry at this point. You can go ahead and get it through the beta zone or through the... Uh, what's Apple's called? It's not Test Lab. It's uh, test Swift? Flight. Test Flight. Test Flight. Test flight. I just want to say something about, about the marketing as well, because if you guys... Oh, I mean, all of us probably already do, but if you follow BlackBerry on Twitter... They they really need to work out the the wording on their marketing of the BBM PayPal thing because out on their Twitter they were they were basically saying okay BBM and PayPal have teamed up you can use this now but really come on you can't because it's yeah. still in beta yeah you should be careful you should be a little bit careful somebody else pointed that out somebody was like no that's not exactly right I'm so here's what I think happened if you go to case ca.paypal.com under their stories. I think they put the press release out like early, 
And Blackbird is like, oh crap, well, let's get on the boat, you know? <laughs> it's available now! Not, not really at not all. Not really, but... Right, so I think it, it, the story broke and they kind of had to follow along with it, so to speak. Black, Blackberry was trolling us all and making us think that we, they had it. Right? I'm Blackberry. like, awesome, let me let me Blackberry World update all. Oh, wait, nothing's there. <laughs> Even Blackberry's there. putting out link bait now. What the hell? <laughs> this is some N4B. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Aside from PayPal integration, doubling down on their security forte, BlackBerry joining the NCSA, which is the National Cybersecurity uh, Alliance. This is an alliance that has, you know, Facebook's in there. I think Apple's in there. They've got a lot of PayPal's there, you know. Some of these partners who are dedicated to building a platform of security that's going to work across, talking about standards, talking about compliance, and just making everything work together easier without having to... Hey, what what are the what is what's the format and venues I have to go through to do X Y Z with your product and, and or service? This is a pretty cool thing. I'm glad BlackBerry joined. My question to you guys is, why didn't they join sooner? When you have other companies with less security focus, who are they? Facebook's there for God's sake. I mean, come on. Yeah, BlackBerry's just now joining. Do you think it was an invite thing where they weren't invited, or that they're trying to up the I want to say the vigilance of their security prowess and kind of push the media to that side where, yes, we are a security company. Yes, we are partaking in different alliances for cybersecurity and things of that nature. What, what do you guys think? Do you think it was more a reactionary thing or something they wanted to go out and do to kind of show they're putting their foot forward? Well, at this point, I think it was something that, that sort of goes with their territory because – as we look at the at the press release, most of it revolves around like the Internet of Things and you know enterprise file sync and share capabilities, so on and so forth. So that that basically enterprise file and sync share capabilities basically means to me watchdogs. So I think I think previously maybe they didn't necessarily have like the credentials or the backing to be able to go ahead and even bother applying for this, but now that they They've acquired watchdogs. They've acquired ad hoc. You know, they they basically put it out and said that they're they're a software company whose focus is on security. I think it makes a little bit more sense for them to actually be a part of it now. Maybe it wasn't necessarily something that was fully on their radar before. I don't think it was really reactionary. I think it was more like we have we have some of the components and these are the things that we're working on. So let's go ahead and at least get the the security credentials for it at this point. Definitely don't think it's going to hurt them in any way to have that extra clout, right? They can, And again, working with open standards, it may create connections for them to be able to talk to Facebook and Google, Intel, PayPal, you know, all the others that are there in the alliance. They can actually talk on a t common ground about issues where Blackberries prowess and pedigree can maybe a value to those different alliance members and you should talk to Facebook right now because my Facebook for Blackberry 10 is all screwed up <laughs> I'm just saying yeah I got let's people be, on my timeline that I don't even know <laughs> let's, let's be honest Chris is that a, is that a Facebook problem or a Blackberry problem <laughs> well <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it's a blackberry it's it's exactly it's a it's arguable at that point let's talk about john chen fox business interview we we don't get much from chen these days you know usually he goes on these media tirades and tangents and he's he's hitting all the right notes 
We hadn't had much. This dropped on Monday over on Crackberry. Very interesting post. John Chen answering some key questions about the next stages of BlackBerry's turnaround strategy. I, I hate these interviews because it feels like he's talking to a four-year-old. Yeah. Like, like he's talking to someone who hasn't looked at BlackBerry in years. And yeah. arguably, that's that's the right message to be giving, right? you got to start them from what they think they know, not what we assume they know. And, uh, you know, I, at least from a, a media perspective, I think it was good. John Chen started back in November um, in 2013, so it's cool to see that he's still following up kind of periodically and coming through with some of these updates for people. Out of what he laid out in his plan, Chris, did you glean anything new? It seemed like a lot of reiterating on BlackBerry's DNA, where they're headed, what their focus is. Was there anything you think worth sharing that maybe we don't know about at this point? Um. No, when I looked over it, I mean, everybody likes to hear from John Chen no matter what, but looking at the actual interview itself, like you said, the, he basically started from the bottom and ran through the majority of the stuff that we've already heard from time and time again. I mean, there was some stuff about hardware in uh, the interviewer asked a question, is it possible that BlackBerry would cease its handset business to focus on software? Well, obviously... He kind of avoided it, too. Yeah, he... Yeah. For one, he's already right. answered that question yeah. in the terms that he, he basically said, you know, they're moving to software at this point in time. So it was realistically a little bit of a silly question to answer. But it goes it goes back to what I said, like, a few weeks ago, I believe, on, on one of the podcasts. He's not... He's not going to answer that question directly because realistically he doesn't necessarily know yeah. the answer yeah. to that question at this point. Um, I noticed in the comments some folks gave him a little bit of crap for, for not actually answering it, but again, he, he can't really answer it. You know, let, let's say, for example, you know, they, they put it out an Android device and it does really, really good. Well, obviously, he's going to continue with that. Um, if they put out an Android device and it does really, really terrible, well, then obviously he's going to reevaluate the situation on whether or not they actually stay in hardware. It's, you know, it, it's not something that can be entirely answered at this point in time because of the fact that, you know, he he, he can't tell the future. You know, things things may turn out good, things may turn out bad. If they turn out bad, then you know, there's a likelihood that he could exit the hardware market. Any and, developers out there, please build us a John Chen crystal ball app. Yeah. And, uh, we can shake it on our devices, and it'll give us the future of BlackBerry. You know, Chris is totally right, where the question that was asked was, is it possible that BlackBerry would cease its handset business to focus on software? And it's like, BlackBerry's focusing on software for handsets. <laughs> so, no? I mean, it's kind of uh -huh. like, come on. You know, it's all about making our smartphones better, more protected, more productive, and focus on the collaboration piece. So, does the BlackBerry BlackBerry focusing on software doesn't necessarily mean the end of hardware. You know, it, they're not necessarily mutually inclusive of one another. Yeah. And I think that's a hard point that John Chen's having to fight with the media. That just because I'm doing this doesn't mean I'm not doing that. It means I'm prioritizing my focus, not necessarily blindsiding or narrowing my focus and, and yeah. that's what the that's what at least the interview did for me was it showed that he's focused on something but his larger vision is beyond that of just this security yeah. enterprise focus which is I, hopeful I, for me at least. I kind of wish that 
these places, like, ask better questions or just, just yeah. off this stupid topic. Like, he has answered these questions so many times. He's probably so sick of answering these questions because he's just repeating himself. And, it's, and the a- answers are always, like, I don't really know. So it's, like, what is the point in asking him? Is it but possible? Are, Anything like, is possible. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know? Here's the thing, like, with them, with the, ma- with the mainstream media... He can have that very like rudimentary conversation and get away with it. Yeah. If he sits down with Chris or he sits down with me, he's he's not. It's gonna be the worst interview ever because we're gonna be asking things. He's gonna be like, I can't speak on that. You know, I can't. I yeah. can't. So he's not used so, to even being asked. We we'd be asking the real questions that people really want to know. Like nobody wants to know whether or not they, they're they're the reporters that ask him questions these days are the ones that are just digging for dirt to be able to go ahead and write something inflammatory. So, obviously, he's not going to feed into that. And realistically, like, it's getting a bit tiresome in terms of the answers that he has to lay out for people. But every now and then, you you get a a good glimpse of something. Like, he'll he'll say something that he probably really shouldn't. Yeah. So it, it's always good to at least check on the interviews when they come Definitely. up to see if he actually said anything of, I don't want to say of value because everything he says is of a value, of course, but if he says anything above and, and, and beyond what he would normally say. You know, John Chen mentions in this interview a $100 million investment in our security efforts. And I'm thinking to myself... What, what did you do? You updated BVM Protected? You, you know, you, you know what, what did you do with this $100 million organically? So I wonder if maybe he's got some stuff in the pipeline outside of these core acquisitions that, you know, there might be something else there for us in terms of software. Because, you know, what are you doing? Updating Bez? You know, where did you spend this money? I'd love to know yeah. what, it, what it went to, what the focus was, you know. Security efforts is kind of broad. Were you patenting things? Were you building, you know, products and software services? Either way, as Chris said, he always floats something out there that gets you thinking, and it is nice to hear his consolidated message. What I have liked is that unlike Thorsten Hines, his message has been very consistent, almost to a point where, as Chris said, it's boring, you know. But it has been consistent. We can't harp the man for for being a flip flop. He's said this is the plan, period, point blank, and we're sticking to it. So so there's that. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about because <laughs> we're right at our hour mark here. Let's talk about Samsung's ugly, <laughs> ugly keyboard cover, and then why? Let's talk about the why first. Why would Samsung build a keyboard cover for their sexiest, arguably sexiest phone? It just makes could no it have been, like, a reaction to the slider? Like, could this in any way have been prompted by BlackBerry at all? Because <laughs> it seems like a you really know, weird timing to do this. No, I don't think it was... Rea- let's, let's be realistic here. I don't think it was reactionary to anything that BlackBerry did or said or has done in the past. I think it was reactionary basically to the typo. If, if, if the iPhone can okay. go ahead and have this That's true. sort of product, then why can't we? And if, you know, Samsung Samsung is basically a company where they, they're, they're pretty much known for either ripping off everybody or they're known for tossing stuff at the wall and just seeing if it sticks, yeah. right? So, I mean, this is one of, one of those things that they're, they toss out there and they're going to see if it sticks. If it sticks, then they'll probably 
you know, make and make a few more of them and change it up and keep it going. And if it if it flops and nobody buys it, then you know it'll just disappear and fade off into the distance. I mean, Samsung. I think the real question is why didn't Samsung just basically go ahead and pay BlackBerry some money to use their keyboard and actually make yeah. it really sexy? My I mean, answer they, to that, my <laughs> answer to that, Chris, is probably that Samsung has these patents for their own keyboard yeah. designs, and they're like, "Yo, we're not using these. <laughs> let's let's try to make some money off them." And like yeah. you said, throw it at the wall, see if it sticks. It's ugly, but it's theirs, and BlackBerry's not gonna come after them for it. You know. <laughs> Unlike the typo, and Chris, for you to say that the the keyboard accessory from Samsung was inspired by typo, well, typo was inspired by BlackBerry. <laughs> yeah. Alex, Alex, answer Alex's yeah, question. That's I mean, true. It, all, all roads lead back to the physical keyboard. You know, that's what I, I think. We're honestly at a point in the market where people are looking for something that they can just get stuff done on. And yeah. Samsung's Samsung, if you look at their track record over the last year. Has really been focused on like trying to make the device more productive. They they brought in the edge and they were like, okay, well, how can we make this edge valuable? You know, how can we make it more usable and more friendly? But honestly, there isn't a lot they can do with the S6 Edge Plus or the S6. Yeah, what's it called, Chris? It's the S6 Edge Plus, correct? The newest one. Yeah, it's one of the most complicated names, S6 Edge Plus. It's basically a bigger S6 Edge. <laughs> I, I honestly think that Samsung and BlackBerry have been in negotiations and talks about what they can do together. And I think Samsung's come to a, a realization that BlackBerry isn't so downtrodden as the market wants to suggest. BlackBerry's fully willing to put a device out there with a physical keyboard <laughs> and, and a curved screen and be like, hey, Samsung, remember that partnership? We're still partners, trust me, bro. Yeah. But at the same time, we're going to compete on even footing with you. And this is, I would believe, Samsung's maybe not reaction, but their proaction to what BlackBerry will bring. It is an option, right? Anyone with a Samsung device who maybe was interested in a keyboard, they have a cover as an option without having to invest in a whole other device that's six, seven, eight hundred dollars, right? Yeah. It's eighty bucks. I can make that investment over buying the BlackBerry slider and reappropriating how I understand and use the OS and all that. But nonsense. is someone gonna buy, you know, this phone? Like for someone who doesn't own this phone, buying the phone and buying the key keyboard now, like that's a that's another extra eighty bucks they're gonna have to spend as opposed to just buying a phone with it included. So absolutely, people who already own this phone, then eighty bucks might be, you know, a good thing. But like if you have the the BlackBerry out there and like someone's on iPhone and they're thinking about maybe switching or something, then that's going to be a little bit more competitive. But absolutely, yeah, I agree. I just found it hilarious that people called me like a fucking sorry Samsung hater because of the fact that I said it was ugly. I mean, it is ugly. It it is. I'm lying. It's absolutely it's ugly. ugly. The keys oh, have no sculpt. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it actually works because I never had hands-on time with it. But you know, it may be the best thing for since sliced bread. But it's still ugly as hell. So, so while Alex has it here, I want to talk a little bit about it. This is a battery battery chargeless keyboard cover. All right, this keyboard cover is a back plate and then a front plate that come together around the, the edged screen, so you can see that here. So it is basically like a case. 
it's it really is a case solution, so to speak. You slide in this cover. What this does is it uses capacitive buttons underneath the cover to actually register touch input on the screen. So it's literally the most fundamentally. Oh, it just pushes flawed. into the screen and right. the screen registers oh. the tap. So the keyboard yeah. is still there underneath. The UI so is just scaled. They just like make it black thing. below it, and it just clicks. Oh, okay. That's okay. So it's probably actually different than how the typo is made, right? Oh I yeah, think the typo. The typo Bluetooth or something. Bluetooth. Okay. Correct. This is battery. Batter, this is you know without battery, it doesn't it doesn't require anything really. It literally is a cover, and you're typing on the you know on the same thing. So with that said, the keyboard design is designed to match up with the virtual keyboard. Or ironically, you make that fundamental change from virtual to physical, it doesn't always work out for you, you know? It doesn't always just translate perfectly. Yeah. But uh, let's talk a little bit about, Alex, if you want to bring up the, I'm going to put a link in our chat for the, I don't know why we're going to Techno Buffalo for it, but let's pull up the slider image of the BlackBerry Venice with the BB10 style virtual keyboard. You can get a, it's definitely on CrackBerry, it's also there in the links. Let's blow that up, I have it locked on you, Alex. Yeah, let's grab that image. This is a purported image of the BlackBerry slider running, uh, you know, doesn't look like BlackBerry 10. Uh, <laughs> you see the little uh, kind of Google back arrow there. It, that doesn't even make sense. Like, why yeah. is there just that one button there? Like, it's just yeah. weird. Here's, here's what I was thinking, though. I mean, whether or not it's correct or wrong, whatever the case. It's an app. That's basically running as an app, and realistically, the BlackBerry 10 keyboard has a back key on it. It's just at, in a different place, and it has more buttons associated with it. So there, you know, the the back key does make sense in the long term when you actually think about it, because BlackBerry 10 does have it. But you also have to consider that you know Android apps have a back button as well. So I'm wondering if BlackBerry just went ahead and placed a back button on there because it's essentially running as an app at this point in time. I don't know if that's um, the case. But you also have to consider that we don't even know the age of this device. You know, it could have been could have been produced months ago running old old software, whatever, right? It could be old hardware that nobody was really meant to see. It's just it's out there, so it kinda had to had to had to shine a light on it, but at this point I don't think anybody could base too much off of off of the actual image itself. But. You know, the thing that I... It, the keyboard looks a lot different than the normal BlackBerry 10 keyboard for some reason. I think really all it kind of is is the BlackBerry 10 keyboard has all caps on. So, like, whether you're an uppercase or lowercase, it's always capital. Because yeah. a capital letter looks a lot more even because everything's consistent height and everything. Whereas you have lowercases and you have some going below the bar and it kind of... It looks a little bit more sloppy. So it's like, I wonder if they just made that caps, then it would just look a lot more like the BlackBerry 10 keyboard. Well, somebody said that it it was obviously a fake because you see how the zero and the P keys are kind of like curving yeah, out. Yeah, I didn't know why I said that. That's no. I'm like, <laughs> you know, again, nobody knows how old it is. Maybe it was yeah. just something that was slopped together to to basically do some testing on. But yeah. also, you can't even you can't tell if it's the angle of it or what and it's definitely I, tilted to the left and yeah. that would create that kind of view to it too so it's plus, like plus i was looking at as soon as they said it i pulled up i started pulling up some of the uh, the s6 edge 
uh, keyboard oh, yeah. as well. So when the SX Edge is actually tilted, you can see it, it hovering over the curve as well. So like some of the some of the pictures, like especially that one. There's one there, and, that they, and you really can tell they're they're also adding spacing to the left and the right. Whereas on the BlackBerry one, there's no spacing on the left and right. Yeah. So yeah, it could be more of a beta version. Maybe maybe they'll leave it like that, or they'll add padding there, they or better not leave it like that. Holy <laughs> crap! <laughs> that data space at the bottom kills me. I'm so so used to the back button or that back gesture existing above the keyboard as part yeah. of the UI. So. I, uh, you know, at this point, I, I'm I'm resolved. The slider, I'm gonna get it. I don't care what it runs. Chris and I, Chris and I were talking. And Chris was like, "I don't, I don't care. Just when is it coming? <laughs> yeah. I just want it already. Like this passport nonsense. This rehab, this this silver edition passport stuff just kind of like makes me laugh because it was literally just like to, to I don't want to say feed the trolls, but ultimately just like feed the hungry BlackBerry fans out there who are still vying for that device. It's it's funny to me because you're gonna have two keyboard inputs on the slider, right? You're gonna have virtual, and you're gonna have the basically the physical keyboard. So it's almost like the device transforms from like a Z10 or as like a Z, uh, you know, a leap to a to a passport and then back. Yeah. And yet never finds the sweet spot in either of them, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering how many how many all touch device people out there who who want they that you know all touch device to finally arrive from BlackBerry are actually just going to say ah screw it I'll just buy a slider and you know not open the keyboard <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. that'd be interesting that's Alex that's Alex for sure honestly yeah I I mean unless I'm I I don't know I I guess there's all, also that question too like. If you do have it open, then will the weight be off? Like, unless they make the bottom of the phone really heavy, just imagine this thing being, like, taller, and then you're typing at the bottom of the screen. It might just feel weird to, to use the actual physical keyboard, too. Um, I don't know. These are all things that we'll see in time. Hopefully no reason to speculate. Because I'm getting yeah. exhausted from all of the crap rumors. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for real. It's it's sad, but it, it's not as sad as that Samsung cover. <laughs> no, man, that was rough. Nothing is as sad as that. That's sad. That's. Sad. I honestly think they just had like patents laying around. Like, oh, these are gonna like expire in like two years. Like, let's yeah, put something in the market. <laughs> yeah, we need to use it. It's cool tech, you know. It's ba- it doesn't require a battery. Yeah. Doesn't require any charging. No Bluetooth. So it's kind of cool. Just ugly. That's all. Yeah, like, it's really. just ugly. Poor thing. And, like, I can imagine if you're going, like, fast on it, it's just not going to keep up either. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, like I said, that's that's my key problem with it is the fact that it's ugly. Key problem. When I use it, I would. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> didn't even think about that one. But, yeah, I mean, it's ugly. It may be, like I said, it might may be the, the greatest thing since sliced bread, but it's ugly. I would never use it just based on the look of it. It's the <laughs> ugliest thing since sliced bread, too. Yeah. <laughs> Well, guys, I always appreciate having you guys on. Another week of Upstream. Another week where we're, we're hoping BlackBerry continues pushing forward, right? We are going to have a lot more to talk about in the coming weeks. I mean, I feel like we're kind of in the down trough, but we're, we're about to head up. We have a couple more months here until we have this slider device, hopefully in our hands by, by the end of the year. And as that kind of comes to a head, I kind of want to talk about hype, right? We haven't heard anything 
Crackberry's yeah. doing all the hype right now on, like, the most smudgiest, greasiest picture <laughs> of the, You know? It's like, when are we going to see some real push? And why isn't BlackBerry kind of baiting the market? You baited us in, like, February, you know? Right. I'd rather you bait us, like, a, maybe, like, a couple months before, not, like, a year before. <laughs> would you guys like to see some kind of hype? And, and how would you swing it? Because I, I know Chris mentioned earlier that it's such a task to market this thing, if it is, especially if it's Android, right? Let alone a slider device in 2015. It's, it's so unheard of as a concept. Do you guys think they're going to have like a go-to-market strategy for this thing? Do you think they've got a venue and how they're going to deliver this? God, or do you I... really think that it's going to be, uh, you know, kind of like BBM stickers where they just kind of threw it at the wall and they're like, all right, people will buy these. I feel I like really... if it... Go ahead, Alex. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like if it's an Android device, then as much as you want to say you're enterprise-focused, and Android is, is kind of a more consumer kind of thing that you're saying, we're on Android now and you get all of your apps. So it's like that's a very consumer play. And then, hey, we secured Android that is a, an enterprise play. So it's like are they going to approach this that it's only enterprise and they don't really whatever, or are they going to at least throw some kind of consumer in there? Because I really feel like this is going to be a consumer phone. This is probably going to be the yeah. most consumer phone BlackBerry has released ever. Since the Z10, you know, like, yeah. honestly. It's yeah. funny because BBM and BlackBerry are both kind of at the same point where they build it for the enterprise, but they acknowledge the consumer. Like, like yeah. what does the BBM shop have to do with productivity, security, <laughs> and collaborate? Nothing, you know? But BBM meetings, BBM protected, you know, BBM as a core app does do those things. So it's kind of like they're, they're addressing the consumers, and I feel like the slider will do the same thing. It will address the consumers, yeah. but really, those enterprise users who are carrying a BlackBerry, who are carrying an iPhone and an Android, it's really a device for them to be like, look, you don't have to carry around two devices anymore. You have your, your consumer device, and then, bam, you have your work device when you slide it open. And that kind of... We were talking about the implementation of you know Android on it. I would love the maybe something like BlackBerry Balance on an Android device where it's it's Android on the front end, but you can slide over into the work partition and get BB10, you know, as a secure layer therein, not just all Android or all BB10. Maybe some kind of mix in between, but we'll save some of that conversation for next week's cast. That'll be episode 62. That will air out on the 23rd of August as we close up our month. I want to thank Chris for coming on and as well Alex for joining us. Jubei had some uh, network outage issues. I think the subway went by and cut out the Wi-Fi. <laughs> so uh, he was unable to stay on with us, but he does want to wish us all you know, a good night and a happy upstream as well. Thank you, everyone, for watching. We will see you next week. Take care, guys. Bye.